We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Almani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Let's open up to 1 John chapter 2. You're like, hey, wait a minute, we're supposed to be in the Gospel of Luke. You didn't get the text message, huh? <laughs> no, we kind of kind of turned it around because um, a special day today, I thought while the Gutierrez brothers are coming out, really, really praying and asking the Lord, you know, to lead us and guide us. Last week, we spoke about this, the return of Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you remember, uh, most of you are probably here last week, but we talked about living life in light of the Lord's imminent return. And you know what? That study really impacted me. It really did. Um, this week was a different week for me. This week, um, by God's grace and by the power of His Holy Spirit, I really lived life differently. I really was captured by my responsibilities as a husband and as a dad and as a, and as a pastor, as a son. A, a lot of different things, you know. It really it changed my life. And I thought, you know, Lord... I don't want to leave this topic too soon because maybe there were some that were here last week that they, you know, they, they forgot the message and, and they didn't live life in light of the Lord's imminent return. And so I thought, Lord, let's repeat it. Let's talk about it again because, you know, in one sense, um, as, we're re- as we go back over these things over and over again, you know, it's kind of like, you know, hitting that, that truth again and again and again until finally... It penetrates the heart that Jesus is coming any day now. And we really do need to be ready and living in light of the Lord's imminent return. And so the Lord led me over to this verse right here in 1 John chapter 2. Uh, just one verse. Look what it says in verse 28. It says, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears we may have confidence not be ashamed before him at his coming. You know, when I first got saved, uh, I moved in with a Christian friend of mine and we used to give each other scriptures every week. My friend would write the scripture on a postcard. He'd even write, you know, pictures on it, draw pictures on it. And he'd kind of slip it under my door. He'd put it on my desk or whatever. And we would give each other these passages in order to commit them to memory, in order to memorize it. And it was a beautiful time in my life as a Christian. I was a new believer on fire and fellowship, accountable, responsible. All in that, you know, going on in the midst of what a lot of people would call my honeymoon period. You know, I don't know if that's necessarily true, if there's such a thing as a honeymoon period. But I do know that in those early days, God planted many scriptures in my heart. And one of the verses was this one right here, First John Chapter 2, verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. You know, it's always been special to me, and I pray it would be special to you. I really encourage you to meditate, contemplate, even memorize this. Hide it in your heart. 
So that one day, on that day when Jesus comes, when you pass away, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, that you will be clean and confident and ready for the Lord's return. Now notice our text right here. Look what it says in verse 28. And now. When? Now. You know, perhaps John right here is making a transition in his letter and that's how the word now got there. But, you know, if you can allow me to give you a little bit of a biblical context here, simply to say that, you know, we need to be ready now. We really do, you guys. Not tomorrow or later. No, there's no time that's greater than now. And now and forever. You know, sometimes I talk with people, and you guys probably do too, people who have good intentions, they really do. They have well intentions to start attending church services on a regular basis or to surrender to their Savior, you know, completely, totally, truly serve the Lord. But, you know, when I look deeper into their eyes, for whatever reason, they kind of want to make these changes, but just not now. You know, and so many of the world, they don't know the Lord, they're not saved. And I would say this, many in the church, maybe even most in the church, are not holy and sanctified. Why? Because they say tomorrow, and tomorrow never comes. You know, now is the time even Annie knew that, right? Didn't she sing that tomorrow, tomorrow? You're always the day away, right? I mean, what, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? You know, one of the things that the Lord really gripped my heart in this week, and you know, we all have different ways of this working itself out in our life, you know? Um, and I'll tell you just a little bit about what happened to me, and you guys can take it. Don't do what I do, but really get with the Lord and say, Lord, what do you mean by now? What do you want me to do now? How do you want me to be now? You know, for me, it's, it, was, it was really powerful. You know, the Lord, He just really, really got with me. In, I think it was Monday morning. And I was just praying and I was talking to the Lord. And, 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 I, and I asked the Lord, you know, how am I doing, examining my life? And the Lord said, you know what? You need to kick it up. You need to kick it up in this Lordship issue. I want to be... Totally the Lord of your life. Totally. You know, and the Lord just convicted me and he said, you know, you're kind of going through, you know, some good things and you do some good things, but you don't really check in with me each day and ask me for marching orders. And so what ended up happening is I began to to live my week like that. I said, okay, Lord, waking up in the morning, spending time with Christ, making sure I hear his voice, and then getting from my Lord my to-do list. Lord, what do you want me to do today? Not what do I want to do, but Lord, what do you want to do? And then I would actually, this is what I do, and I'm not telling you to do this, man, but for me it works so well. The Lord began to impress things on my heart, and he began to show me my various responsibilities, and each and every day I had a list of about 15 things that God wanted me to do that day. Whether it be reading the Bible with my wife, reading the Bible with my children, praying with my family, not just when I eat, getting down on my knees, reading my proverb, just different things that God wanted me to do every day, making a phone call, sending a letter, writing this guy in prison, whatever it is, 
God began to speak to me about his list of what he wanted me to do. And then, you know, I've tried this before, but here's the difference. By God's grace, I was actually able to do it, you know? Because a lot of times we don't even get the list, and then a lot of times we get the list and then we don't really do it. And the Lord said, shame on you. What right do you have not to do what I've commanded you to do? And so, you know, I I looked at my list and I really, really prayed over it. And then I put things first and I kind of set them in order. And you know what I did is I put the hardest things on top, right? Because we don't want to do those. And then when I was there ready to do that one thing, oh, Lord, I don't want to call that person. (laughs) And God said, well, I told you to call them. And then so you make the call. What, see, we got to live our life. We, we got to repent of doing our own thing. You see, and the Lord really began to stir me up with this because, man, he's coming now. And there's no reason, there's no way that we should put off this type of commitment until tomorrow. It's got to be now that we begin to live these things. The first word we look at right here is the word urgency. And it's got to be now, you guys. Don't wait till tomorrow. Right here, right in your seat, right in your heart. You tell God, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And I really want to live what you want me to live in light of your imminent return. He says, first of all, and now. There's an urgency. And then the second word is the word family. Because notice what he says there in verse 28. And now, little children. Second word is family. Notice what God calls us as Christians. He calls us little children. You know, at the time of writing this letter, John the Beloved was actually John the Aged. Uh, some of you probably know he was old at this time. Uh, he was 36. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking, man. Uh, some say that he was in his 90s. And so in calling the Christians little children, it's, it kind of had a double meaning. You know, they were in part, you know, John's little children due to his position in ministry and his age and that type of authority. But they were primarily God's little children. You see, as Christians, that's who we are. We're God's little children. It's one word in the Greek language translated little children, technion, and it speaks of a little child. Jesus used the same word in John chapter 13, verse 33, in which he called his disciples little children. And to me, when I think of that little children, you know, you think of those little kids, man, the the ones that just, you know, steal your heart, the ones that are just beautiful. You know, when they get older, I mean, we still love them and everything, but not as much. No, I'm just... (laughs) You know, but the ones there's there's those little children. There's just something special about that. I still can picture my daughter. I love her so much, but I can still picture her dancing when she was three years old. And I can still picture my son. I carry him on my shoulders when he was four years old. I remember, you know, the little children. You know, to me, it's kind of like saying mijo or mija. You know, you say that when that little one is special to you. Maybe it's your child or maybe it's a child of a good friend of yours. But somewhere in there, there's that care. Let me share something with you, mijo. Mija, it's a term of endearment. It's a title of endearment. And that's who we are. 
And that's who John was talking to. John says, and now there's that urgency. Little children, miha, miho, there's that family. He says this next. It's our responsibility. He says, and now little children, abide in him. Abide in him. You see, we have the urgency. It's now. It's not later. It's not tomorrow. It's now. We have this family that God cares to share because we're his mijos and mijas. And we have this responsibility. What do we do? What does God want us to do in light of his imminent return? Now little children abide in him that when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. You see, we are to abide in Jesus Christ. As you abide in Jesus Christ, you also abide in the Father. We need to abide in Jesus because Jesus is the one who will soon be making his appearing. He's the one we're waiting for. He's the one who's coming. Jesus is the one that we will stand before one day on judgment day, whether it be the great white throne or the Bema seat. John chapter 5 verse 22, it says, For the Father judges no one but has committed all judgment to the Son. We all will stand before Christ one day. And that's what the Bible says. And one day, it can be any day, we will be there standing before him. And in light of that, the Lord says, this is your responsibility. What I want you to do is I want you from now until then, now until then, abide in him. Abide in him. The Greek word translated abide, it means to remain. It means to dwell. It means to continue in. It means to tarry in. The grammar is a present tense imperative, and that means it's a command. I command you to continuously abide in Jesus Christ. Now and forever, now and at all times, in all ways and for all days, rest and remain, cling to and continue, live life for and in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what God is calling us to do. This is our responsibility. And I want to just really reiterate to you, and God has just really laid it on my heart to tell you that he's coming again. And then as I open my eyes and as I look around at what's going on in the world that we live in, he's coming very soon. And we need to be ready. You know, last week we studied, and I don't know if you remember or not, but we need to be ready. And we talked about three things, how we need to be waiting, we need to be watching, and we need to be working. But today we look at it in a practical way and also in a very theological way that we need to be abiding. We really do. Day by day, dwelling in Jesus. Resting, remaining in Jesus. Continuously connected to Christ. Bottom line is we need to be anchored to him. If you're anchored to anyone else or anything else, it can't be a pastor, it can't be a ministry, it can't be any other person, any other ambition, any other possession. We need to be anchored in Christ. Because if we do not have that heart, if one day we stray away, we don't stay where we're at, then the Bible says one day, notice right here it says that we will be ashamed. He doesn't want us to be ashamed. Imagine that. 
Literally, the word means to be disfigured. It's weird, huh? It means to be disgraced. It means to be dishonored. It speaks of shame. What about you? When you're there standing before the Lord Jesus Christ, will you be ashamed? See, this is what we want to try to avoid. Now, some people in word, they say the right things. And because of the fact that they have not really searched and sanctified their hearts, you know, they say they're so excited about Jesus' return. But, yeah, Lord, come. Lord, this will be cool. But upon closer examination, they're really not ready. You know, and I'm not talking about being perfect. I am talking, however, about being proper. I'm talking about those things and some of us here are guilty of, maybe not all of you here, but some of us here are guilty of doing things that we should not be doing, of saying things that we should not be saying, of living a life that is way below the line of the love of the Lord in your life. Man, He has come to give you life and that more abundantly. Why are you gossiping? Why? Why are you complaining? Why are you sitting there with your arms folded, hearts Hard. Why? God doesn't want us to live life like that, you guys. There's more to life. And some people say, oh yeah, Lord, come, come. And you know what? You're really not ready. Amos talks about that. Amos chapter 5. Look what it says in verse 18. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. For what good is the day of the Lord to you? Whoa, that's heavy, man. It will be darkness and not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. Imagine that. It would be crazy fleeing from a lion, huh? Have you ever run from a lion? Well, let's just say you were fast. You're like, yeah, I got away from you, buddy. Next thing you know, a lion, a bear comes out, you know? I mean, that's what he's saying. He says, that's what it's going to be like for those of you who are saying, oh, the day of the Lord, oh, I'm so excited about this. And then, you know what? You're really not ready. And that's why the Lord in His grace and His love, He just says, Mijo, Mijo, I want you to be ready. When that day comes, I don't want you to be ashamed. He says right here, I want you to have what? Confidence. Think about that. Confidence. You're like, you know what, man? I'm ready. The Lord comes today. Not that you're, you know, prideful. Not that you're, you know, self-righteous or anything. But you are walking with the Lord. You are walking in victory. You're overcoming. See, that's where God wants us to be. I love what we read in Romans 9, verse 33. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense. That's Jesus. And whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. You see, when you believe in Jesus... When you believe, you behave. And the more you believe in Jesus, the more you believe in Jesus, the more you behave. God says, you believe in Him, man, you will not be put to shame. You know, later in 1 John chapter 4, look over at verse 17, if you would, in your Bibles. 1 John 4, 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so we are in this world imagine that having boldness in the day of judgment you're like okay i don't know what it's going to be like but if you can visualize it for a second there you are in heaven there's a line 
Okay, and you're you're next. You're ready. You know, everybody's kind of being judged by the Lord at the Bema seat or whatever it is. And you're next. And in your heart, you have total peace. Why? Because you've been living the life. You've been living the life. And you have boldness. That's what the love of God does for us. You see, Jesus is coming one day. The Bible says that over and over again. John 14, 3. Acts 1, 11, Colossians 3, 4. Hebrews 9, 28. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4. It's the most repeated doctrine in the Bible, the return of Christ. And so, in light of that, God really wants us to know He's coming again and He really wants us to be ready, living in light of the Lord's imminent return. Titus chapter 2, verse 13 says, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. For those of you that were here last week, we talked about the Lord coming soon. Did it change your week? Did it change your life? Was there any modification of your behavior? If not, you got a second chance. (laughs) Here we are again. And God, I believe, not, not Manny, but God is saying, listen, for those of you maybe who weren't really listening, I want to tell you again that I'm coming and you need to change your life. You can do this. By the power of the Holy Spirit. You can do this when you realize that it's not your life and you don't have your own rights. You've been bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. If He tells you to pray for an hour, how long are you going to pray? Five minutes? No way. We can't do that. I mean, if your boss told you to work eight hours, how many hours are you going to work? You're going to work eight hours, right? Some of you are like, I can squeak by with six. No, that's wrong. And that mentality, it it kind of, you know, it flows over into our relationship with God. You know, if the Lord tells you to read the Bible with your wife, is that an option? I mean, the last time I checked, that's not an option. Well, if I have time, well, if I get around to it, what kind of nonsense is that? I mean, what the Lord tells us to do, you know, we got to do. We got to come back to that understanding, you know. It doesn't save you. We're saved because we trust in Christ. But this is how we live life in light of the Lord's imminent return. You know, so many things, you guys, that, you know, again, I'm sharing a couple of personal things, but I know there are different things in your life. You know, there you are and you watch, you know, TV for... 19 and a half hours a day or whatever, you know. I mean, how does that work for Christians? You know, I don't get it. I don't know, man. I do know that the Lord wants us to have that confidence. And the way that we'll have that confidence is if we leave, live the life. You see, Jesus is coming soon and very soon. And so there's this reality, right? There's this reality of his return. And since there's this reality of his return at any moment, there needs to be an urgency now and now, right? And as we're part, we need to be part of the family. We need now to rise to the responsibility that we have to do what the Bible says, and that is abide in him. 
And so you're like, okay, Manny, what does it mean to abide in Him? Well, let me share a couple of things with you. Number one, it means fellowship with Him. Fellowship with Him. Does anybody here have a New Living Translation? Just out of curiosity. The New Living Translation renders it this way. It says, And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ. Remain in fellowship with Christ. The ESV Study Bible says this. It speaks of this. Maintaining one's personal relationship with Christ. The Bible Knowledge Commentary says, If believers would maintain their fellowship with God, they would enjoy a genuine boldness when they meet their Lord. You see, to abide in Him means to fellowship with Him. It means to maintain a personal relationship with Him. It means you're in communion with Him. I come up to you, I ask you, hey, you spend time with the Lord today. Yeah, I went through it, man, read my chapters, I did my half an hour in prayer. Cool. Did you commune with God? Did you experience God? You see, that's what we as Christians are called to do. You know, this morning I was praying and just talking to the Lord and I was telling him, you know, Lord, even though I can't see you, Lord, I know you. Lord, I sense you. Lord, I feel you. Lord, I see the things that you've made, the way you've changed my life, the way you've changed the lives of those around me. God, I I know you, Lord. And I was telling the Lord this morning, I don't know how we're going to get through this this certain situation that's so sad, it grieves my heart, it breaks my heart, it shouldn't be going on in the church. Lord, this is so heavy on my heart. And I just poured out my heart to God. And the Lord comforted me. He comforted me in my garage. Because there's this communion, there's this fellowship that we have with God. We experience God. And if you're not experiencing God like that, then after service, you need to come up and we need to pray for you. You know, if you can't say in a very spiritual and tangible way, That I have a relationship with God. I know Him. I sense Him. I feel Him. I talk to Him. He talks to me. I walk with Him. He leads me. He guides me. He comforts me. He corrects me. He carries me. If you don't have that intimate relationship with God, then you're not in fellowship with Him. And you're just... You know, you're just going through the motions. And after church today, please come forward and let us lay hands on you and pray for you that you would experience God in your life. You know, right now my arm is really sore. It's really sore because I, uh, I was playing baseball with my son. But it wasn't real baseball. It was Nintendo Wii. And uh, it's a trip, man. I don't know if you guys ever played that video game, but, you know, you got your little Wii handle right here. And, and my son, he's a good hitter, man. He's a very good hitter. And so I'm trying to throw it hard, you know. I'm throwing, I, I, next thing you know, the next day, you know, I lost anyways, you know. But the next day, my arms, my arms all hurting, you know. And I said, man, he beats me every time. 
I said, you know what I need to do? I need to play real baseball with him. Because <laughs> he won't win then. I got him then. At least not now anyways. And I think that a lot of times though, we're, we're, we're not playing real. We're not living real Christianity. And even though our arms sore and we have the effects and it kind of seems like we are, we're not. And what does God say? Now. Now is the time where I want you to make that type of commitment. And I want you to make yourself accountable. I want you to come forward for prayer. I want you to humble yourself. I want you to be real. You see, God wants us to have an experience with Him. It's not just an objective truth. It's a subjective truth. It doesn't just end there in my garage. All day long we need to talk and walk. And it's a, a, it's a life of living this beautiful relationship with God. If you're not experiencing it, you know, you need to be so careful. If you have cold and callous, limp and lifeless, dry and distant discipleship, it's not what Christianity is all about. I like what William Barclay said. He said, the best way to prepare for the coming of Christ one day is to live in his presence today and every day. See, the first thing is fellowship with him. That's how we abide in Christ. The second thing is fastened to him. Fastened to him. And this is very practical and it's actually very theological. Look back at 1 John chapter 2 and we'll take the verse in context. Look what he says in verse 24. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. What's he saying? He's basically saying that you've been taught the truth. You have been taught the truth. And there are many deceivers out there. And they're in the colleges. And they're, you know, members of your family. And sometimes you work with them. Sometimes they're on the television. Sometimes they have books in Christian stores. There's many deceivers out there that will lie to you. They will try to deceive you. And you need to be so careful, you guys. You know, there's a lot of counterfeit, uh, I guess you say, Christianity out there. You know, my responsibility as a pastor is to warn you. You got to be so careful. When you die, I want you to go to heaven. But I have seen many people fall away. Over the past 20 years, I've been a Christian. I've seen people just like you, no longer walking with the Lord. And they drift away. And what we need to do is we need to stay fastened to Christ. You see, we have the truth. Don't let the deceivers come in. I was even talking to someone the other day, and they were talking to me about the History Channel and how the History Channel contradicts the Bible. And I said, man, stop watching that garbage, you know? 
meditate on things that are true. Right? All I'm saying is this. It's a warning. It's a warning. Two things. Fasten yourself with God. Believe right. Continue to believe right. Secondly, continue to behave right. Look what it says in verse 29 right here. It says, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. And so you want to abide in the Lord, stay in fellowship with God. You want to abide in the Lord, stay fastened to God. How do I do that? Number one, make sure that you stick to what you believe, the truth. Be careful the deceivers out there. Number two, make sure you live the life, you behave. The more you believe, the more you behave. Good doctrine brings good duty. And that's what happens within our life. You see, John is writing to Christians and they're little children. He's exhorting them to continue to carry on, to never ever stray away from the Lord Jesus Christ. Lest on that day you find yourself with eternal, everlasting shame and regret. You know, and that happens in various ways. We begin to compromise. We begin to let sin into our home, sin into our heart, don't want to go to church today, whatever it is. And little by little, that person falls away. I just want to really encourage you today to abide in Jesus Christ. Let's look at two verses and then we'll close. The first one is over in John chapter 8. Notice what it says in verse 31. I want to make it even more practical now. John chapter 8 verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. One very, 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 very practical way is this book right here. It's the word of Jesus Christ. Abide in his word. Make sure you read it. Make sure you heed it. Make sure you learn it. Make sure you live it. Make sure you give it the word of God. I mean, you should be, we should be all in it every single day. This book will keep you from sin, but sin will keep you from this book. Hunger for it, thirst after it. I encourage you. I'm so blessed to see you here, but I have a very, very great concern for Christians in the church today that do not have a hunger for the word of God. And they go to a Bible study and they're bored because they do not have a hunger for the word of God. Abide in his word. One thing, man, get into the word. Let the word get into you. And then we'll close with one last verse. In John chapter 15, notice what it says in verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. And our brother shared that earlier. And I want to close with that because I think that's so important. You know, the devil will tell you. You know, well-intentioned Christians will tell you. You know, you will tell you that for some strange reason, you know, God doesn't love you. Because of what you've done or because of you know, what you did in the past or you had a bad day or whatever the case may be. And part of this whole abiding process, man, 
is understanding that that love of God, it will never ever change. And that love of God will change me. And I remember one time in my life, I was going through, you know, kind of struggles, to be honest with you, you know. And I remember, man, I, I kind of blew it one day. And then I looked over my shoulder and God was still there. And so, you know, the next day, I kind of blew it again. I looked over my shoulder and God was still there. And then the next day, you'll never guess what happened. <laughs> I kind of blew it again. And I looked over my shoulder. God was still there. And this happened over an extended period of time. And then one day, it's like a light went on. And I thought, wow. Lord, your love, it really never goes away, huh? It never changes. And what ended up happening was God wore me down with his love. He just wore me down with his love. And as we want to abide in the Lord, as we want to be ready for his imminent return, we need to abide in his word. We need to abide in his love. The reality is that the day is coming when you will stand before God. We will. And in light of that reality, there needs to be an urgency today, now, to be a part of God's family. And so my encouragement to you is to rise to your responsibility and abide in the Lord. Abide in Jesus Christ. Be in fellowship with Him. Hold fast to Him. Abide in His word and abide in His love. Make sure you keep believing. Make sure you keep behaving. Or maybe some of you here, you need to start believing (laughs) and start behaving. But this is really what it's all about. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, after we sing this song, we want you to come forward after service today. But I want to issue another challenge. Just in case you're here today and you've been coming to church or maybe... I don't know, it's your first time or your your hundred and first time, but you haven't been experiencing God, then I want you to come forward after we sing this song. And uh, I want to pray for you. You know what? We should even do it while we sing this song. Come on up, you guys. I was just thinking, Henry, can you come up? And uh, maybe Bennett and Richard's here, right? Richard? Yeah, I want you guys to come up. You know, and we just want to pray for you guys, man. We want to pray for you. We really want God to use this study to really change our lives. And so let's all stand. If you want prayer as we sing this song, um, come forward, man. We would love, we would love to pray for you. Father, what a joy it is to be here today. Lord, just to know that you, uh, you brought us together, now, not just uh, to kind of go through the motions, but to meet with us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would meet with you, Lord, that you would do a mighty work. And if there's anyone here today who maybe they don't know you or they've drifted away, or if there's anyone here today who really hasn't been experiencing, experiencing to the fullness, this relationship, Lord, with you, it hasn't been real. It hasn't been tangible. Lord, I pray that today, Lord, you would just do that work and give us a new start, a a new heart, Lord. We love you. We thank you, Father. And we praise you in Jesus' name.
We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.